say i've heard this this um, or i read this statement this week that they say when um then doctors give out prescription to people and they give them a particular antibiotic to use for whatever period of time they say 90 percent of the people don't finish that it's amazing <laughs> you go to the doctor you pay and you go buy your tablets and you pay for that as well but 90 percent of the people they say never finish their their course the cycle of of antibiotics that they should be taking. So the point is this, we, we're giving out some, some good medicine this morning, I trust, through the Word of God. Amen? Are you going to say amen now? You don't know what's coming, eh? <laughs> That's in faith. Are we just trusting that 90% of you will not just ignore it, but that 90% of you will receive it and, and walk with it and, and eat it and digest it? I actually pray for 100%, but... We've got a little bit of a 10%. Maybe some of you are tired this morning and will have a little bit of grace on you. But 90% of you, hopefully that you'll grab this. There are things in life that, that they say are seen and are unseen. And so this morning, we, we want to talk about the unseen. And there's something that relates to that in terms of what we've been speaking regarding the new. Many of you would know that there are things that we can physically see right now. Look around. You can see people, you can see masks, you can see chairs, you can see all sorts of things. But there are certain things that you can't see that are real, even amongst us here. Things that are very real that you can't see. Hopefully none of you are connected to that real thing and actually being distracted by a cell phone network. It's not something that you can see. How many of you can see the network connection that your phone has? Uh-huh. Those of you that when you go home and there's Wi-Fi at home or at work, you can't see the actual connection, can't you? You can't. It's just not visible. It's unseen. It's like electricity as well. We, we don't have Zesa at the moment. But none of you knew that there was no Zesa because you couldn't see it, that the absence of Zesa is, is real this morning here in our vicinity. But we've got a generator, praise the Lord. There are certain things that are very real, but yet they're unseen. It's like sound waves. None of us can really see it. None of us can see the emotion that you feel at the moment of, oh, where's this preach going? I can't see that. It's possibly there. <laughs> but it's not seen. But yet it's very real. Maybe some of you walked in here with a particular emotion of, of frustration with life and even with God and, and with one another and anger, whatever it is that you've perhaps picked up during the week, we don't know about that emotion, but it's very real to you. But it's unseen. When we read through the Bible, we find that the most important thing in life actually is not what we see, but that which we don't see. Isn't it? The most important thing in life is to know God and, and to serve Him. And the most, most important person in life is God. How many of you have seen God in person? None. Yet He remains the most important person in our lives. But yet we are so focused on the seen stuff and we are influenced by what we see, yet the unseen that should actually govern our lives, mostly we often forget about. 
And so I want to consider something with you from Scripture. If you want to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to read a couple of verses together and, and just enjoy just the Word of God. So I want to ask you to stand with me. It's where we do something seen as we tap into the unseen. All right? We're going to read the Word of God together. And I'm going to just, first of all, it says in verse 18, just that you turn into your, in your Bibles to this chapter. Taken, it's up on the board, so it's very easy to find. Verse 18 says, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. That's where we're going. So let me read to you as you just stand there and enjoy the word of God. And let's read together from verse 7. I'm going to read. You don't have to follow me in reading it physically. You can just follow it in your Bible. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an internal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Thank God for His Word. You may take your seats. This is not a ritual we do to stand. This is an honor and a respect for God's Word that we try to just instill amongst us. This is the most beautiful Word and book ever written. There's nothing more that we need but the powerful Word of God. And as we stand, we recognize your word, Lord Jesus. I want to take you just verse by verse through this portion from verse 7 to 18 and help us understand that there's something incredibly new that is available every single day. It's constantly available for you and me. And I do think that we so often miss this because we are so programmed to look at what we see instead of recognizing the unseen. Paul starts in verse 7, and, and again, the beautiful thing about the Bible is that it all flows together. So we could have actually started in, verse, in chapter 3 and, and brought it together to create context. We could have done that, but for the sake of time, we're going to start in verse 7. It says, but, out of verse 6, he says, but we have this treasure. This treasure is what he refers to in verse 6. And the verse 6 talks about the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So he says we have this beautiful treasure, this amazing 
reality and truth, what Jesus has done and who he is, we have this treasure and we keep it and we store it in jars of clay. Look at your body and that's your jars of clay today. Mm -hmm. He says this, these bodies of ours are really like jars of clay. To show, and it is this treasure in us, in this jar of clay, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Our bodies are mere clay pots. But we are so incredibly aware of these clay pots. Uh, we have cracks in these clay pots, don't we? We have chips and, and, and our clay pots have been injured and, and, and this affected by life and the heat of life and whatever. And we try to patch them up in all sorts of ways. Uh -huh. Trying to patch up and, and, and just you know, kind of hide these cracks and, and these chips and, and pieces that are off. And, but the reality is it's not about the jar of clay. It's about the treasure of who Christ is that we need to focus on. But so much of our discussion, so much of our time, so much of our effort goes into the jar of clay. Amen? <laughs> this morning, I want to refresh your thinking about the beauty of the treasure of who Jesus is in us. And it says here, Paul says, that, that this is what we need to focus on, that in this jar of clay, the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So we as jars of clay cannot function, cannot operate without the surpassing power of God working in us and through us. So praise the Lord that you're looking after yourself, that you're trying to eat healthily. And those of you that had chocolate for breakfast, God forgive you. <laughs> but the point is we try to do so much goodness to the jar of clay but you know what we ought to look at is the things that are not seen and spend our time and our money and our effort into the things and we'll get to more of that it carries on so so paul is saying that this is what this jar of clay is going through here in life he says oh my goodness there's some of these major realities by the way second corinthians is kind of like an autobiography of paul where he relates to so much of what he had gone through and, and you pick up a lot of just his inner struggles and, and what people said about him and, and what they said to him and how he handled that and tried to handle it. And, and so he's saying, this is what I've gone through. He says in verse 8, we are afflicted in every way. In every way. Wonderful thing to say. <laughs> Wonderful thing to, to be able to declare that I'm afflicted in any way. But he says, I'm also perplexed. We'll get to the opposite side of it now. He says, I'm afflicted in every way. And in verse 8, he says, I'm perplexed. In verse 9, he says, I'm persecuted. He says in verse 9b, he says, I'm struck down. I mean, that's an amazing thing to see about a man who went about and, and wrote about three quarters of the New Testament for us. And, and, and yet he says, this is who I am. This is what I've been through. But then praise the Lord for the, the one that follows after that, the B-U-T. And we often make a joke that it's just one T. It's not the double T. Uh -huh. it's that word B-U-T that is so beautiful in the Bible because these are the realities but there's a but I love a but with a one T and I just thought you don't get all mixed up yeah <laughs> otherwise you go did you know what he said I clarify it he says I'm, I'm, he says in verse 8 I'm afflicted in every way but not crossed how do you know that that's a beautiful thing to be able to declare. I'm afflicted. And we are. And there are things that we go through. But we are not crushed. We are not 
destroyed. He says, I'm perplexed. I don't understand all of this. Amen. Many of us don't. But he says, but not driven to despair. So you don't have to fall into despair. This jar of clay functions in the midst of all of this stuff. But when you recognize the treasure within you, the unseen, then even though you're perplexed, you are not and should not be driven to despair. And ladies and gentlemen, if we find ourselves in despair, could it not be that we have looked more at the jar of clay than instead of the treasure within? And we've looked at the other jars of clay. Because we're all jars of clay. I'm like, did you know this other jar of clay? I just can't imagine, can't believe what they're doing. And we get so overwhelmed by the other jars around us that inside of us there's a perplexion that leads to despair. Paul says, I'm driven by the power of God within me that even if I'm afflicted and even if I'm really perplexed, it doesn't lead me to being completely crushed and in lying in despair. He says, I actually go through persecution, but I'm not forsaken. Again, another but. He says, I'm struck down, but not destroyed. We get stuck on the first half. Oh, I'm displaced. Oh, I'm struck down. Or whatever. But I'm not destroyed. And we see that the silver lining on the cloud, we often miss that because we look at the seen stuff, not at the unseen. And the unseen in our lives are often the faithfulness of God and the, the presence of Jesus in our lives and Holy Spirit speaking to us and graceful moments happening. But we so often are just focused on what this jar of clay goes through and the surrounding things of, in our lives. Paul says, you know, in the midst of this, in verse, verse 10, he says, you know what, as I, as I go through all these things, I'm always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our bodies and in our mortal flesh. Paul is saying that even if I go through all of this, I recognize I'm actually doing it to recognize that I'm also dead to myself as Jesus had to die. But then as I die, I come alive. So I can only be alive once I've died. So if I go through all this stuff, perplexion and 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 frustration and and being struck and 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 afflicted and and persecuted i i recognize that god i i'm dead to myself this jar of clay does not find it life it's life in breathing this jar of clay finds its life in dying to itself and living for you unseen stuff I've been in situations where I've walked in and, I, and I've seen the heart monitor just doing nothing. And a person breathing their last. And we'd say, this is the end. But we know that it's not the end of that person is a believer in Jesus. They're more alive than ever. In that very moment where the heart monitor says, nothing. We're like, oh my goodness. And for us that remain behind, it's a despairing moment. But that person is more alive than ever. The unseen is more operational than ever in their life. Because we are so drawn to the seen, our lives are controlled by the seen. 
not by the unseen. So this morning, I want us to tap into the reality of what the unseen is. And not should be, but is today, right now in your life. Paul carries on in verse 12, he says the following. So all of this, so death is at work in us. Being dead to, Christ, dead to myself and alive to Christ. He says this, when I die, it's actually life to you. When I live a life full of the treasure of Jesus within me, and it's not my own life, I'm actually a great asset to you. Not a liability. The moment I live for myself, I become a liability to communities around me. It's just about me. What I can get. Not what I can give. Paul says, actually, I'm giving. I'm a dead to myself. And if I'm doing that, it's life to you. So how much life are we offering? Or how much are we expecting? In marriage, it's a very good place to start. When you say, not what can I get, but what can I give? And Jesus did that, exactly. He says, I die to being God. So that in my death, you can come alive. And it's still relevant for us, Paul is saying. The unseen stuff is where we walk around and we live for ourselves and we just consider ourselves and, and the unseen becomes visible because we live a selfish life. And we distance ourselves from people and we just want, want, want. And it's obviously eventually seen. But imagine how that could turn around into, I live for you and I live to serve. I live to be available for others. and I. And I show that. Not to try to get people's opinion or, or their recognition and their respect, but so that I can make my heart that is unseen available in a very real, visible way. That's what Paul says. He, he carries on. He says, since we have the same spirit of faith, there's faith that comes in according to what has been written, and he refers to the ultimate, I believe and so I spoke. We also believe and so also we speak. He's saying, listen, if you have faith, it's not just something that is unseen. It's something that needs to be heard. Faith is something that needs to be heard. And so he says this. He says, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus, knowing this is what I live with, the knowledge that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. So he's talking about the unseen that one day will become a massive reality for us. He's actually saying, I, I want to let my faith lead me to speaking about my faith. Our faith can never just be something that is a secret. And we've often said this. Our believing in the unseen work of God leads us and should lead us to speaking about the unseen work of God in our lives. Verse 15, it says, for it is all for your sake. Again, Paul is coming in with a focus again. The motivation towards all of that is, for it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Paul is alluding here to the fact that every time the grace of God helps us through tough times and tough moments, these jars of clay go through, they create an opportunity for others to thank God for His goodness. So as you and I are challenged, and we manage because of God's grace in that moment. And it's often unseen. We just, we just go through it. We don't throw a tantrum and, and 
go crazy and, and shout at God and shout at people. But people see it. They notice that you're managing and there's stability in your life. There's consistency. And could it lead to a thanksgiving to the Lord? Paul says it could. It's probably good then that we again talk about what God takes us through and, and help others to grow in their faith as we share with them our seen and unseen experiences. And so your story can become an incredible testimony for somebody else as what you go through can create thanksgiving in their lives because they hear what God is doing in your life. So don't despise your story. Verse 16 says, so in the midst of all of this, Paul brings up this beautiful thing. He says, so we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. That in the light of all of the above, we remain focused. And, and the Greek word here, it really means to be utterly spiritless. To be wearied out, to be losing our heart. We don't lose heart. We do not become wearied out. And we live in a, const, in a situation constantly where all of these things around us can wear us out. But we do not lose heart, Paul says. Why? This is where he's going. He says, though our outer self, this jar of clay, your jars have been around, some of your jars have been around longer than others. Amen? He says, this outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. The body is growing weaker. The pressures are mounting. Yet we do not consider what the physical or seen world is producing. We do not say, wow, I'm probably going down. Wherever you are in your life at the moment, I realized just the other day that you know, this jar of clay is getting a little bit older. I was racing my boys, said to them, listen, let's do a 100-meter sprint. I'm going to try you out in this. One is 22, other one is 26, and the other one is 29, and I'm 55. And I thought, oh, no, I'll, I can manage somewhat as I race them. And uh, 30 meters into, the, into this race, I pulled my hamstring. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Should have worn, you know, whatever, done this and done that before and stretched and all those exercises. But I realized, hey, the jar of clay is not, is not what it used to be. And those jars of clay can do much more than what I can do at 55. And the point is this, that, we, that our jar of clay is, is what it says here, wasting away. But our jar of clay is not our greatest possession. What we've made it to be, our greatest possession. We've so focused on the scene, and all of our time and energy goes into keeping the scene thing alive and well and healthy and functional. But Paul's saying, you know what? The most important thing is the unseen thing in you, your spirit. He talks here, he refers to it, your inner self is being renewed day by day. So this is where this new thing comes in that actually there's a new work of God that happens every day in our lives as we submit to Him, as we recognize Him in our lives. There's something new that He can do. Even though this is happening to my body, this can be happening to my spirit. And do we talk about that? Most of the time we're like, yeah, yeah we're getting old. I've got parents, they 85 and, and 84 each, and, and I can see the reality. But in a, in a very real way, I can also see my dad's spirit being more alive than ever. 
ever in his life. I'm thinking, it's the way to live. Even though this physical thing can't do everything that it used to do. But there's a spirit inside of us, the inner self, that can be renewed day by day. And we should be more aware of that unseen aspect of our lives than the seen one. And celebrate that. We are alive because our unseen part has come to life because of God's internal work that surpasses any external work. It's great that there's certain things that happen in this jar of clay, physical things. And praise the Lord that He's gracious to help us to, to stay healthy and, and to trust Him for health. And sometimes we battle through that and, and we don't understand all of those things when it doesn't happen. But, but you know what? We should become more and more aware of this renewed work, which is a beautiful Greek word that, that really talks about us being made new again. It's a Greek word, anakaino, which really means to have new strength and vigor every day. That is what is available for us, for those that are in Christ Jesus. That is the treasure, verse 7, that in this jar of clay, there's a treasure inside of us. And it's His presence. In other words, the older is getting weaker and older, but the spirit inside of us is getting stronger and more effective because of the unseen work of God in us. There's so much that God is doing, but because we don't see it often, we don't recognize it, we don't thank Him for it, we don't celebrate it. And it goes past unnoticed. And we look at the body, the seen part of our lives, and we we become disgruntled because it's getting older. It's not what it used to be. And we focus on that instead of focusing on this beautiful work that he's doing. Paul, though, says that before this new work can happen in us, there ought to be a willingness for us to die to ourselves and so that the new life of Christ can take shape in us. And he's really clearly referring to that earlier on in this portion. We close with these last two verses in verse 17 and 18, which really just... Uh, undergirds this whole thing of this, this unseen work. He says, for this light, I like it that he calls it light, momentary affliction. He says, this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. Talking about the unseen world that we will enter one day. Beyond all comparison. By the way, the unseen world that we will go into one day is beyond all comparison. Those of you that think that you've seen something great, you've been to the falls, you've been to Nyanga, you've been to wherever, to Manimani, and you've been to Cape Town, you've been to wherever in the world. Paul says, the unseen is beyond comparison. Something that we can never compare anything than the seen world to. It's outrageous. It's um, incomprehensible for us in a sense. He says, as we look in verse 18, not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, they're temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So guess what we should focus on more is the unseen. And you need to invest the unseen in your life more and more because the seen will pass away. We will not always have the scene around us. That great house that you have, the beautiful farm, the, the beautiful car, the, 
the people around you. And praise the Lord that you'll see some of them in heaven if they know Jesus. But the thing is that God is after doing an unseen work in our lives today because that really matters. Paul talks about that comprehensively throughout his letters about this incredible work of God. He says you can't imagine, you can't actually imagine what God has in store for those who love him. He says it's, it's the unseen is just beyond what we can imagine. But that was his driving force. He says this love of Christ that compels me is how I live, the unseen. And so we, we kind of think, how is it possible for Paul to manage? And we can't sometimes relate to him because Paul lived 2,000 years ago. But you know what? We can tap into other people's stories and see how the unseen had kept them alive. I want to share with you two stories. Two people. First man is a man called W.E. Very interesting surname, Sangster. W.E. Sangster. I don't know if anybody have ever heard of a man called W.E. Sangster. He lived from 1900 to 1960. He was a Methodist minister in London in the UK. And he's an amazing preacher and, and preached from that church in the city of London. And it was the biggest one. And, and he had like 3,000 people that came to, to attend and built like a family church. And every Sunday he preached about 3,000 people. And, and they said it's not even been done ever since again. But his daughter said this about him. His personality so glowed. That for those near him, including his children, he lit up the whole world. He was all love and all compassion. That's what his daughter said. During the Second World War, and, and London was being bombed in 1940, people had to start finding shelter during these moments. And what he did, Reverend Sangster, he, he opened up the, the church's reinforced basement for people to come and, and during the night stay there. And it became one of the biggest air raid shelters in the country. A permanent home for up to 1,000 people every night. What he did was he took his family and they shared it with them. He had one room in the, in the basement and that's where he, they were to eat, sleep and live for five years. He did an amazing thing. And, and out of the war, they came. And in 1958, he became conscious of uneasiness in his throat and dragging in his leg and was diagnosed with incurable muscular deterioration. The muscles would, grow, would gradually waste. The voice would go, the jar of clay. The throat would be unable to swallow. But he had thought that would be years still of hard work ahead for him. He was only 58 by now. But he would still write, and he could still write. He would have more time for prayer, he said. And he prayed this, he says, let me stay in the struggle, Lord, he pleaded. Against increasing limitations, he forced himself to work. And he would say, why? I'm only in a kindergarten of suffering, he would say. Gradually, his legs became useless, and his voice wasting away the outer self. Speechless. And helpless, he still could hold a pen though. He was radiant. On and on he wrote, utter suffering, utter acceptance. And, and on Easter Day in 1960, a month before he passed away, 
He wrote to his daughter. It is terrible to wake up on Easter morning and have no voice with which to shout, He is risen! But he said, but it would still, he wrote. But it would be still more terrible to have a voice and not want to shout. He died in May 1960. He died before his right hand had completely failed. Still in a fight for his faith. An unseen work kept him alive. His spirit was alive. His body was decaying. But his spirit was alive. And his spirit is alive as never before. This moment as he has been in heaven with his maker. For what? 62 years already. There's another lady. I want you to think of. Her name is Jane Ovsevsky. Ovsevsky. Many of you may have seen her story. Amazing woman. She, um, she started being di- diagnosed with cancer at the age of about 25 and just after that, her husband left her and said, I'm, I don't love you anymore. And uh, so she, full-on believer, loves Jesus with all of her heart. She started this battle and entered this composition. And uh, what happens there at the end where they do that buzzer thing is that you can go straight through to semifinals. And uh, that was going to happen. This, this recording took place last year, about June. Uh, six months later, when they had to go through the next step, which is semifinals, she had to withdraw because her illness didn't allow her to come back. Um, and yet she labored on. Um, just some of the quotes of this amazing woman, which, by the way, on 19 February, a week ago yesterday, <laughs> she passed away. Um, age of 31. She had just turned 31 the end of last year she said that in in her own way she said you can't wait until life is hard anymore before you decide to be happy there's an unseen work that takes place in the lives of people you look at the jar of clay that decays and wastes away and we judge that only but there's an unseen work of God that we've got to celebrate she said I don't need people to love me to feel complete unseen work of God that gives us security So no matter what people think and say of us, we're secure inside. Because a jar of clay can either impress or annoy people. But we find our acceptance and our identity in the unseen work of God's love towards us. She said the following, God doesn't take away my darkness. He adds light to it. She said, he doesn't spare me of thirst. He brings water. He doesn't cure my loneliness. He comes near. So why do we believe that when we are in pain, it must mean God is far? Paul talks about being struck down, but not destroyed. Because he has this treasure inside of his life. I don't know if you've noticed, there were seven dots. Tattooed dots on her forearm. She had those tattooed on because in Proverbs 24 verse 16 it says, Seven times the righteous will fall. Each time they will stand up. Just a declaration that no matter what I go through, 
severe pain. I mean, you can go and read up about it. It's an amazing story. She, she calls herself on stage Nightbird because she says she got this name from the birds that during the night when it's completely dark, they would still sing. She said, that's what I want to be. And she could sing until her last breath, last week, Saturday, the 19th, she passed away. And obviously the family is distraught. But the legacy that she leaves behind from when she was in this jar of clay is incredibly deep. Because she allowed the unseen God to do an unseen work in her that actually has become international. And so each one of us carry that. In the last slide, I just want to say to you, let's not, let's not allow just the, the scene stuff. Could we go to the last slide, please? Um, is that we cannot be ignorant of the new and daily unseen work of God in our lives. We've got to celebrate that. And that's why time in his word is so incredibly essential because it allows this unseen work to take place. Time with God, time with God's people allows and, and, it, and it exposes us to this unseen work of God that needs to sustain us. Like a sangster, W.E. Sangster could, could have no ability to walk or speak. But he would say, you know what? I don't have a voice to cry out, he is risen. But I've got an, an ability inside of my heart to cry out, he is risen. Because he's done so much in me. And folks, let's live like that. These are just two simple stories. Powerful, profound. There are millions and millions of other stories of the effect of God's unseen work in the lives of people like you and me. Simple people. Simple human beings. And so Father, as we conclude this morning's time together, I thank you That though we not not always able to see you, we can see signs of you. But deep down in our hearts, we know, in our jar of clay, we recognize this treasure of who Jesus is. And that he has brought all things new to us. And that every day, even though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self, our inner person, our spirits are renewed day by day to be as alive as ever before. And one day, Lord God, the, 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 the full experience of this will be realized when we're with you in heaven, like a W.E. Sangster would be and a Jane Marchewski would be at this moment with you in glory. But until then, we can enjoy this beautiful renewing work in our lives. Help us, Father, to recognize that, to talk about it, to sing about it, to live a life in honor of the treasure of Jesus Christ inside of us. Lord, I pray for anyone this morning that really has been encouraged through your word and through the testimony of these people to say, Father, forgive me for where I have been so aware of the jar of clay and the other jars around me and the world that we live in as jars of clay. I pray, Father, that you will 
stir hearts to recognize the unseen work of God inside of them. And you, my friend, if you're sitting here this morning with your eyes closed, if you've never come to the place where you've said, Jesus, I recognize that you have done this incredible seen work at the cross to do an unseen work, and that is to bring salvation to all humanity by me accepting you into my life and, and confessing me, confessing to you as a, that I'm a sinner and that I need forgiveness. If you've never done that and, and you're desperate of need for salvation, I want to ask you to, to come and see us, come and talk to us and, and let us help you through that so that the seen work of God through Jesus on the cross can have an everlasting unseen effect in your life. That you can say, Lord, there's nothing more important to live for than for you. Can't let the jar of clay become my focus. I've got to let you, the treasure inside of me, be the focus. And if you've lost that focus perhaps as well this morning, would you just say to the Lord, Lord, please forgive me. Please forgive me for being so aware of this jar and not of you inside of me. Father, I pray that we live with this incredible revelation of the unseen and live in honor for you. I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.